Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode was recorded on Sunday, December 27, 2020. And a good evening to you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the podcast. This will be a fairly short podcast as we have no guests to interview this time around. It's always difficult to get people lined up over the holidays. But I came up with an interesting idea for today's podcast. You see, I read a lot of books. Whenever I interview someone for the podcast, I try to read as much as I can about the person we interview. It makes it much easier to hold a conversation with someone if you know a little something about them. If the person I'm interviewing is a book author, which is typically the case, then I read their book. Or at least I read as much of their book as possible during the precious spare time I get during the week. So, in doing this, I've read a lot of books over the past year. But I also read books from people whom I have not yet interviewed in hopes that I can interview them someday. So, having read a lot of interesting books, I thought to myself, hey, why not provide a suggested reading list for those listeners who have some time to read during this holiday season? I recognize, of course, that not everybody has that privilege. Our society struggles with the direct and indirect effects of COVID, so there are many people who do not have time to read. So, I'm grateful for the time that I do have, and if you find yourself with the privilege of having some time to either read a book or listen to an audiobook, I have some suggested reading for you. I'll recommend four books that you may want to consider during this holiday season. First up is a book by John Perkins called The New Confessions of an Economic Hitman. This is actually an updated version of the original book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman, but with more information accumulated since the first printing. Now, I first read this book when its first printing was released around 2004. And when I initially read the first version, I have to admit I was quite naive as to the dark, ugly secrets of international banking systems. For example, I thought it was a good thing the IMF loaned a country money so that they could develop and sell their natural resources. What I didn't realize was that behind the scenes, these banks work much like mafia-driven loan sharks. They sign deals with local leaders and corrupt them with an ever-increasing amount of money and raw military power. The military power helps these local leaders solidify their increasingly authoritarian position within their own countries, and the money, well, it simply corrupts them over time. And just like the mafia, the banks can never get complete repayment. So, Over time, the population of these countries eventually succumb to authoritarian rule and end up being forced off their land and eventually work for the companies that move in and exploit their natural resources. When local citizens realize they've been given a raw deal and rise up, they're put down with brutal military force. For example, if you think the U.S. invasion of Panama and Iraq were done in the name of freedom, well, think again. If you think the overthrow of Mohammad Mossadegh, the Prime Minister of Iran in 1953 and the subsequent establishment of the Shah was done for the good of the people in Iran, think again. Hey, it's not just the U.S., but consider that the U.S. took part in many such underhanded schemes in the past, all under the guise of truth, justice, and the American way. John Perkins spent several years in the middle of such operations. He was recruited by the NSA and worked on the payroll of an international consulting firm. 
His job was to locate economic opportunities, write and implement policies that promoted the selfish interests of the U.S. corporatocracy. His conscience eventually caught up with him, and he got out of the game. Surprisingly, he got out of the game with his skin. He's been writing about this topic ever since. Again, John Perkins' latest book on this topic is The New Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Now, I have to beg you, however, uh, please don't become a conspiracy nut after reading this book. The machinery that powers the worldwide corporatocracy isn't listening in on your phone calls or reading your emails. They aren't going to send hitmen after you. On the contrary, information regarding the worldwide corporatocracy is out in the open. You just have to commit yourself to learning about it, and if you so choose, do something about it. The corporatocracy doesn't live so much in the shadows because, really, there's no need for it. As long as most citizens are complacent, the corporatocracy gets away with it. When you learn about it and take action by demanding that your politicians do something about it, well, something will be done about it. It won't be easy, of course. These things are never easy to fix, but it won't get fixed without you taking some action. Again, the book is The New Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins. The next book I'd like to recommend is from Ann Nelson. The book is called Shadow Network, Media, Money, and the Secret Hub of the Radical Right. This book is one of my recent personal favorites. Why? Because I lived through the 1980s when Reagan was elected president, and I still remember his promise to minimize the government. I also remember his administration took meetings and promoted their relationship with the Christian right. And later in Reagan's presidency, I remember the role that Oliver North played in blatantly violating U.S. law by selling arms to Iran to fund Contras in Nicaragua. I have to admit, at the time, I wasn't connecting all the dots. In fact, there were many more dots that I totally missed. But Ann Nelson in Shadow Network connects all the dots and put these incidents and many others into perspective. In short, behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., a very powerful group called the Council for National Policy emerged during Reagan's administration, and it has rapidly grown since, exerting more and more influence on our politicians and our political system. The end goal was, and still is to this day, to change our democracy by destroying it from within. The players in this effort include a veritable who's who of Washington these days, including Oliver North, Kellyanne Conway, Ralph Reed, Tony Perkins, Betsy DeVos, and many others. It also includes the Koch brothers and the Mercer family. There are dozens more names and organizations identified in the book. Incidentally, if you recall, just a few days ago, President Trump officially pardoned four Blackwater guards convicted in connection with the killing of innocent Iraqi civilians. Betsy DeVos is our current education secretary, and her brother is Eric Prince, founder of Blackwater. Now there's a couple dots for you to connect. Okay, so again, please don't go all conspiracy nutcase on me. I'm just pointing out some facts that are all in the open and available for anyone to see. I'm not drawing any conclusions. In fact, there really isn't much of a conclusion to draw other than our country is heading in a direction that may not be in line with your own personal liking. Or maybe it is. In any case, I believe it benefits you to understand what is happening just in case you don't agree with it. So if you're interested in how the Council for National Policy started and the direction in which it attempts to push our country, 
you should read Ann Nelson's book, Shadow Network, Media, Money, and the Secret Hub of the Radical Right. Up next is a book by Catherine Gale and Michael Porter called The Politics Industry, How Political Innovation Can Break Partisan Gridlock and Save Our Democracy. This book was a real eye-opener for me. I'd always suspected that the Democrats and Republicans have long collaborated to acquire and maintain a tight grip on our political system. But with Gale and Porter's book, I not only received confirmation of that, but I was introduced to a different way of thinking about these two parties. Consider this. The Democratic Party and the Republican Party fit the definition of an industry. That is, they are both private companies that rake in billions of dollars and whose business model demands that the will of the voters is pretty much ignored. Rather, the objective of this politics industry is to keep making money. And the only way to do that is to do the bidding of the people and corporations that have money. Now, you might be tempted to think that our political system is broken, but the authors suggest just the opposite. It's working exactly as it's designed to work. The problem is that it's not designed to work for ordinary citizens. It's designed to work for the expanding corporatocracy or more specifically, the politics industry that it supports. Gale and Porter are uniquely qualified to analyze this politics industry from a business perspective. Catherine Gale, former head of Gale Foods, brings a wealth of business experience to bear. Michael Porter, a world-renowned business strategist, brings all his experience to the table as well. Together, they used a business analysis tool that Porter developed called the Five Forces Framework. They used this framework to analyze the politics industry. Now, these five forces are the nature of rivalry, the power of buyers, the power of suppliers, the threat of substitutes, and the threat of new entrants. Now, this all may seem a bit abstract at the moment, but the book spends time on each of these five forces and provides a lens through which you can view the politics industry. And better yet, they identify precisely where to put pressure on the industry to get it to become responsive to its true customers, the voters, you and I. The result is true political innovation. Again, the book is authored by Catherine Gale and Michael Porter, and it's called The Politics Industry. How Political Innovation Can Break Partisan Gridlock and Save Our Democracy. Okay, so for this last book recommendation, I'm going to bend one of my own rules a bit and recommend a book that I haven't finished reading yet. The book is written by Jacob Hacker and Paul Pearson, and it's called Let Them Eat Tweets, How the Right Rules in an Age of Extreme Inequality. Now, the reason I'm bending my own rules here is because I'm so excited about what I've read so far. Why is this? Well, because this book so far has helped me to understand how to solve a riddle that's been plaguing me for a long time. The riddle is this. How does the Republican Party maintain the veneer of the forgotten man's party, but at the same time actively undermine unions, make a mess of health care, pass generous tax breaks for the wealthy, and roll back regulations allowing our industries to pollute our water and air, causing untold health risks for the very people for which it purports to represent. How can they, with straight faces, 
continue to peddle this story of protecting American values while economic inequality explodes under each Republican administration. Welcome to Let Them Eat Tweets. Political scientists Jacob Hacker and Paul Pearson describe how the Republican Party over the past four decades has been able to keep political power in the hands of the wealthy elites while the votes are in the hands of the masses. This is not easy, really. How can a political party maintain power in a democracy where everyone has the right to vote while serving the interests of a narrow, wealthy slice of society? Well, as it turns out, societies in the past have been able to thread this needle with success, at least for a few decades anyways. The blueprint is fairly clear. It uses extreme emotional appeal to issues that are more urgent to the average voter. For example, the sense that American values are under attack is frequently used to stoke the embers of racial tension. Immigration also fits into that pattern. They're going to change our way of life as a frequent rally cry. Make America great again is another familiar meme. Variants of this theme include manufactured issues over Second Amendment rights, abortion, flag burning, family values, the war on Christmas, religious freedom, racial hatred, defund the police, the perceived threat of Black Lives Matter, and on and on it goes. Social media provides a forum for these issues to bounce around the virtual echo chambers, and the elimination of the FCC's fairness doctrine allows our airwaves to become veritable echo chambers as well. But here's the thing. It's all manufactured. It's all part of a plan of division and distraction. President Trump's Twitter feed becomes the penultimate volcano of division and distraction, squirting out its vile lava 280 characters at a time. And it's ripping us apart as a nation. Hacker and Pearson coined the phrase plutocratic populism to describe this phenomenon. It would seem the words plutocracy and populism don't belong in the same sentence. The very word plutocracy refers to a society that's ruled by the wealthy elite. Here's the thing. Populist uprisings generally seek to brutally wipe out elites and their abuse of power. The French Revolution comes to my mind. Indeed, the title of the book, Let Them Eat Tweets, echoes the phrase, Let Them Eat Cake which became a popular meme leading up to the French Revolution. But in the context of this book, the authors use the phrase plutocratic populism to describe the phenomenon of a populist movement that actually fortifies a plutocracy. Such systems can exist, according to the authors, at least temporarily, so long as the populists are willing to fight against what they perceive as a threat. Like I said, I haven't finished reading the book yet, I'm curious to find out whether populist movements can continue to be controlled by the plutocracy. I would think it can't last forever. For example, I've noticed recently that Mitch McConnell, always a solid supporter for President Trump, is now being vilified by many of the populists for not supporting Trump's post-election electoral fight. Fox News, who broke with Trump when they called Arizona for Biden, is also finding itself suddenly on the outside looking in. This is the risk plutocrats take when using populism to support them. Now, I can't speak further about this question because I haven't finished the book yet, so I don't have an answer. But I'm fascinated by what I've read so far. 
Again, the book is called Let Them Eat Tweets, How the Right Rules in an Age of Extreme Inequality, written by Jacob Hacker and Paul Pearson. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the book recommendations, and I hope you have the time and luxury to read one of them. Thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week, we'll bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. Also, keep in mind that the podcast has a Twitter page at Alliance On Air. And if you have any suggestions for future topics or people we might interview in a future podcast, please drop us an email at podcast at thealliancepartycom All content for this podcast is copyright The Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of The Alliance Party. This podcast is a production of The Alliance Party, a decades-long movement of fiscally conservative, moderate, accountable, and reasoned independents, former Democrats, former Republicans, and alienated voters who demand that our elected officials work in the spirit of nonpartisanship for all constituents and provide a better future for our country. This podcast was made possible by your donations to the Alliance Party. If you'd like to join the Alliance Party, visit our website at theallianceparty.com. Drop in and see what we're all about and get involved. Volunteer your time, make a donation, submit an article or blog, or run for office. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the Alliance Party After Dark, and on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. And Happy New Year, by the way. Be safe, be aware, and please take care of yourself and those around you.